Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. Well, good morning, River of Life. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, We have about 40 women that are on women's retreat this weekend, and so they are uh, just having their final session up there right now, and they'll be on their way back soon. And so uh, we're very, amen. (laughs) That was interesting. You saw some of the guys walking in this morning looked like they didn't know what to do. They were a little lost, Uh, especially those of you who have small children. You, uh, (laughs) Seth is like, please, Mona, come home soon. Um, but uh, we're, we're really grateful that they were able to go and get some time away, and we're excited to hear what God is doing inside of them and through this retreat that they went on. And, uh, and so just as you think about it, be praying for them. They're about a two and a half hour drive away, so we just need to be praying that they get back safely and, uh, and that whatever God started in them on this retreat, that it will continue on, that it won't just be a weekend, but it will be a launching point. Amen. Amen. Well, we are, uh, we are in a series that we started last week called The Pushback, and uh, we're just really talking about this idea that the, time, the day and time that we live in, um, we are coming to a place where it is going to become increasingly harder and harder for us as we walk out our faith journey because there is going to be a pushback that is going to come. And we've already begun to see that. And so I told you last week that I really wanted to take some time in this series to walk through a few thought processes and ideas. And some of those may come off as political, but I want you to hear my heart because this isn't about red or blue. It isn't about one idea over another idea, but it really is like us leaning into understanding God's word and then aligning ourselves with his, his word. Amen? Um, because we can, we can try and find alignment with all these different things and fraction, factions and things that are going on in this world, but I'm telling you, unless we align ourselves with God's word, we are in trouble, and we will not make it. And so I told you last week that as we do this, we're going we're gonna to share some stories and some different things that, uh, that may be even a little bit tough for sensitive ears or sensitive eyes to see. Uh, I want to share every week with you, I want to share uh, some bit of a story from modern day mar- martyrs. Because I believe last week we talked about that there were pastors being arrested in Canada for holding church services. And, and some of them are going to be close to home. Some of them are going to feel further away. But I want you to understand that, that when we talk about this idea of, of having to live out your faith in a way where it actually affects your life and could affect you uh, in, in big ways inside of your life, it's not just something that was in biblical times, but it's actually now and in, in many parts of the world. In fact, as I was looking at this, I, I found that, that more Christians were martyred in the 20th century than all pre, uh, previous centuries combined. And the trend has not been lessened in this century. The number of Christians killed for their faith every year almost certainly lies in the thousands and possibly the tens of thousands. And according to the International Society of Human Rights, Christians are estimated to make up 80% of those who are persecuted for their faith. They have been killed in India, uh, Vietnam, Iraq, Colombia, Pakistan, Nigeria, Mexico, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, North Korea, Sri Lanka, China, and Indonesia. So it is something that is real, 
And, and so some of these stories, like I said, last week felt really close to home, right? Because we're talking about Canada. That's right there. And so you go, wow, that's crazy. But I want you to understand that for, for many people in this world right now, even though we feel safe and in our little bubble, that, that there are Christians right now who are being, who are being executed, who are being, who are being interrogated, who are being imprisoned because of their faith. And so you go, well, Jason, why are we talking about these things? Because what I want you to understand is that we are called as believers to prepare ourselves and again, you may, you may watch, we're going to watch a video in just a second, but when you watch this video, you may go, well, that's so far removed from where we are. But the reality is, is whether this is far removed or whether it will happen here in our lifetimes, we have no idea. But at the end of the day, God is calling his church to be ready. Because it's easy to say while we sit in this room, I will stand. I know that I would stand. I know that if somebody asked me, if somebody, if somebody told me that I would be in trouble for my faith, I know that I would stand up. And I hope that that's the truth. But I'm telling you over the next few weeks, I want to make sure that it's the truth. And so we're going to talk about that. We watch this video with me? Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him I will trust. received this calling from the Lord, but the Lord has got a purpose for us as a family to live out our love for him, our love for the Africans, to serve. And here we are. God, take our lives and make with us whatever you find pleasant and, and good in your purpose. So it was a normal day for us. And then I just went to the office and he was teaching that morning. Actually, that was the routine every day. And for the children, if they didn't have a weekend or didn't interact with their friends, they were doing schoolwork. Both of them have got a deep walk with the Lord and there's this hunger for the Lord that's very precious. And they are growing, they are growing in their faith day by day. And it's wonderful to be their mom and experience how they are growing. Um, and living their lives for the Lord in a place like Afghanistan. Most wonderful thing the parent can do for his child is to bring him up in the Lord's way so that he knows who his creator is and that he can have a loving relationship with the Lord and live a life for that purpose. <laughs> I've asked myself many times in the past, Lord, is this really where you want us? Because of all the difficulties, the challenges, we can lose our lives any time for the Lord. When I look at that in the spiritual realm, I know that he will not take us to a place like Afghanistan and just dump us there and he doesn't have a plan and a purpose for that. So I know 100% that we are in the right place, that we are obedient to the calling 
Tell my children, um, Jean-Pierre and today, you will face a very difficult day today, um, and I'm not going to be there to help you, and Daddy is also not going to be there to help you, but Jesus is going to be there to help you through this, and he will be there. He promised never to leave us, nor forsake us. I believe they are in front of the Lord's throne, worshipping Him, praising Him, glorifying Him. And that they are just waiting for me to finish the race as well. I wanted to watch that video because I wanted you to see, last week we talked about, are we fans or are we followers? And what you just saw were a family who said, we are going to go and we're going to do what God has asked us to do. And then you see a mom who lost her husband and her children. And in the middle of that, she says, I know that they're standing at his throne and they're worshiping. And they're waiting for me to finish the race. Now, I wish that I could say that I'm in that exact space, that I would be able to handle it that same way. And I don't know that I could. But we need to be ready. We need to be in a place where we understand that this world is not our home. So often we get to a place where we live this life out as though this is the most important thing. And again, even when we talk about our faith journey, our faith journey is something that is, is there and it's something that we feel is pretty important to us. But at the end of the day, most of our time, our resources, our energy is spent on making this world what we want it to be. But we are gonna have to get to a place where we say it isn't about this world. It's about the next life. So what am I doing for the next life? Here are people who sacrifice their family to go and to, and to win people to Jesus Christ, a people group that didn't know and didn't understand Christianity. It hadn't been around there. And so they spent their days teaching and pouring into and discipling. And out of that was great loss. But in the grand scheme of eternity, it was great victory. 
So over the next few weekends, my hope is that we'll spend a little bit of time. You'll hear stories of men and women who I hope it will inspire you. It'd be easy to go, ooh, that's, that's tough and that's hard and I'd rather just come and, and Jason, could you just preach a really nice, easy message so that I can go and enjoy my afternoon and not have to think about anything. But we have got to be ready because Jesus is coming and it's my job to prepare the house. We're going to spend a little bit of time today and we're going to talk about Peter. I love Peter. Peter is one of my favorite Bible characters. I think he's amazing. I think he is, he is just, as he spends time with Jesus, he is the guy who is always looking for the next opportunity. He watches Jesus. He gets excited about Jesus. He gets excited about the ministry and all the things that they're doing, so much so that Jesus walks on water, and the rest of the guys are like, oh, that's pretty cool. Not Peter. Peter goes, dude, I want some of that. Get me out of the boat, Jesus. Let me be part of that. I want to I wanna experience it. He's the guy, right, that, that whenever there's an opportunity, he takes it, and he's very excitable, and, and he's just got this incre- incredible fervor inside of him. And, and so I want to talk just for a few moments about this, this particular part of Jesus' last days where he comes to what we all know as the Last Supper. And it wasn't called the Last Supper then. It was just called Supper, I think. They just were having dinner. And And so he sits down with his guys and he's talking to his disciples and he says to his disciples, hey guys, some things are going to change. There's a change that's coming. And inside of that, what we need to understand is is Jesus is basically telling his crew things will not be the way that they have been. They're going to change and it's necessary. Why is it necessary? Because we know the story and we know that Jesus, his ultimate purpose was to come to this earth, not just to walk around and to minister to people, but his ultimate purpose was to die on a cross so that you and I can have forgiveness of sin. And so these guys have gotten kind of into a groove. They're, they're, I, I would imagine that they're pretty excited about how life has been going for them. They, they, they joined in with Jesus. Jesus is going from place to place. They're seeing healings. They're seeing all kinds of stuff take place. Now they, he's just come into Jerusalem, this triumphal in, uh, entry where it's like a, a mini parade where they're all shouting Hosanna, glory to God in the highest, and Jesus has come in. And now they're like, man, we are arriving we are, we are on the right team. This is going to be amazing. And Jesus sits them down and says, hey, things are about to change. So I want to look at this, Luke chapter 22, verse 31. This is Jesus talking to Peter, also known as Simon, so don't get confused by that. It says this, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. Let's take a moment and let's pray as we look at God's word. Father, I just pray that as we look at your word, I'm so grateful, Father, because it never returns void, that Lord Jesus, every time we open scripture, you can show us something new. And so, Father, I pray that this is a story that may be familiar to many of us in the room, but God, I pray that you'll enlighten us, that you'll show us something new that is relevant to us today, and we praise you for that. And God, I lift up 
our, our campus in Star Valley today, that you would touch them, that God, you would minister to them, that they would hear what they need to hear. And Father, for those who will be watching in Malawi later this week, we pray, God, that you would continue to do amazing things on that campus. And God, we're grateful that it looks like Alaska is coming back on board. And so, Father, we just praise you for that. And we are excited to see what you do on the north slope of Alaska and God, as we, as we are in the jail in a little different way right now and things are opening up in, in different areas, I pray, Father God, that those who need to hear this word, that God, they will see it, they will hear it, that it will not return void, but it will, it will impact their hearts. So God, be with us today and, and Lord, just do what you need to do in Jesus' name, amen. So Peter, who walked with Jesus, again, he's the guy who walked even on water, is now told the devil is coming at you. Peter. Now, Peter's response, because he's been with you, again, imagine, these guys are kind of on a high right now. Things have been going pretty good for them. And so now Jesus says, hey, Peter, the devil's coming at you. And, G and Peter's response is, I got this. It's all good. You know, Jesus, talk to these other guys. You, you, I'm the last guy you got to worry about. Remember, I'm your water walking buddy. Remember? You and me, Jesus, we're, we got this, right? He's, he's, he's in this space where he's like, I know that I can do this. I know no matter what comes, I'll go to jail with you. How many of you know it's easy to say I'll go to jail with you when there doesn't look like there's any prospect of going to jail, right? They're at dinner, things are going pretty good, and, and he says, hey, things are going to change, and Peter's like, dude, I'll go to jail, I'll die, right? Because there's no, there's no swords being drawn in this moment. It's, it's pretty easy, and that's kind of where Western culture is right now. Like, we're in this space where it's pretty easy for the most part. I mean, we don't have a lot to worry about. The worst thing that really could happen to us in this moment is if you get too, too uh, fervent on social media, they might, you know, take your Facebook license away from you or something, right? And so, yeah, they might cancel your Twitter account. And that, I mean, that would just, how would you live? How could you survive without that? And so, so as we look at this, Jesus then answers and basically says, I, I pray that you'll turn back. So he's, he's saying, listen, it's already a done deal. You're going to do this. So my prayer is that you'll turn back and then you'll strengthen your brothers when you do. Now, that's got to be a weird thing for Peter to hear. It's not even like, hey, I hope you don't, or I, 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 I'm praying for you that you won't. But he basically says, I'm praying for you that when you do turn from me, that you'll turn back and that you'll strengthen your brothers. So Peter is sitting with his crew, and there's no external pressures. And so he, he's very bold in this moment. We live in a country right now where serving him costs us very little, and we can come freely to church, we can listen to Christian music, we can watch Christian podcasts, and so we can easily sit back and say, hey, when that time, if that time ever came here, I know that I would stand. Well, Peter knew Jesus, Peter loved Jesus, so in that moment when Jesus says that he'll deny him, that seems so far off and so impossible. That doesn't seem like that's even on the radar for Peter. And it's hard for us to sit in this room today and imagine that there would be a time when we would even be tested, but then to even think that if we were tested, that we would fail that test. So as we continue this story, we see that Peter has gone with all the disciples and they've gone to go and pray. Jesus said, let's go to the garden. We're gonna spend some time in prayer. 
And as we look at this story, they're in prayer and the guards arrive. We know that Judas brings the guards to come and they're going to arrest Jesus. And so in the middle of this story now, Peter is with Jesus and Peter has said, I'm ready. And now he has something to prove because Jesus just said, hey, you're going to deny me. And now there's some pressure, some external pushback that's coming. And so Peter is like, okay, let's do this. Like I just said, I got this. So I'm going to prove that I got this. And so as we look at this story, what you need to understand, even though in this translation it doesn't say that it was Peter, we know that it was Peter that did this. In 49, it says, when Jesus' followers saw what was going on and what had happened, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. So here's Peter. He just said, I got this. Now all of a sudden pressure comes. He draws his sword. He cuts off the ear uh, of this guy. But Jesus answered, no more of this, and he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and the elders who had come for him, am I leading a rebellion that you would come with me with swords and clubs? Every day I saw I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me, but this is your hour when darkness reigns. So I want to look at this for just a moment because, again, Peter is still in this moment. He's still with Jesus. He's still with his, his group, his guys. And he's now been emboldened because he's been told, you're going to deny. So he's got this thing to prove. Can I tell you that we do better when we're with like-minded company? COVID has been hard on the church because it did something that if you would have told me three years ago would happen, I wouldn't have believed you. We, we, we hit this time of COVID, and, and, and actually Bob Southers, who's on our board, and I were just talking about this the other day, because we hit this time in COVID when, when they, they were pushing and they said, hey, let's all take 14 days and we'll, you know, we'll, 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 we'll stop the curve. We'll, we'll make it so that this thing can go away. We'll, we'll end it with everybody just, just you know, hunkering down. Uh, Logan's not here to appreciate the word hunker in my sermon, but I'm going to say it anyhow. Uh, we're we're going we're gonna to just, we're going to spend some time where for 14 days, we'll just, we'll just, everybody go to your house, nobody leave, and we'll just, and then it'll be fine. And then 14 days turned into 28 days. And then, and then it, it, and then it was double mask and it's vaccine and all these things. But the thing that we noticed as a church is how hard that was because we got to this place where, where now, not only was it government, but health departments and all these things were, were now dictating to the church what we're supposed to do. And I, as we look back on that, that's been very difficult because even for us as a church, we can look and we, we do track like how many people come to church and, and where we were pre-COVID and where we are now, I would say we're about a fourth less than where we were before COVID. And, and that's hard. We actually... In the, in the grand scheme of things, that's better than most churches. A lot of churches have been cut in half since COVID. So what's happened is all of a sudden people have got, it, got this mindset that, oh, I don't need church or I can just watch on live. And I so appreciate our media team who do an amazing job so that if you end up having to stay home or if you're sick or you're away, that you can watch and participate in church and it's just always getting better and better and better. But now it's become an excuse to isolate yourself. And can I tell you, when you isolate yourself, you put yourself in danger. God, God wants us to come together. 
He wants us to not, not to forsake the coming together. Why? Because when we're together, we're with like-minded people and it emboldens and strengthens us. So why is it that the church does things like men's group and ladies group and connect groups and, and small groups and fly Bible studies and yam Bible studies? For those of you who don't know yam, that's young adult ministry. We're not like big into vegetables or something. So um, we, we have all these smaller groups. Why? Because it's important for us as believers to come together small so that we have relationship and we have iron sharpening iron and we have, we have guys in our lives that will ask us hard questions and we have ladies in our life who will come alongside of us and, and pray when, when we need it and all of those things. It's so important because in that group, then all of a sudden we're stronger when hard times come. So the enemy will separate us to affect our strength and determination to pursue God. He loves to separate. I told you last weekend, as we talked about some of the things that could have come off a little bit political, my biggest thing is, it's amazing to me how much everything is about divisiveness now. We're dividing you into groups because we know that if you're all together, you're strong. But if all of a sudden I can divide you by, by blue and red, or I can divide you by color, I can divide you by vaccinated or unvaccinated, and we spend all this time arguing about things instead of going, you know what, I'm not against anybody, I, am, I, I, wanna, I want to unify because Christ unifies and so if you're, if you're spending your time on social media trying to argue and to fight and to make your point and to prove and to, and to show the statistics that make you right about being vaccinated or not vaccinated and all that stuff, can I tell you, you're feeding into this divisive thing and we need to stop it. We need to stop. Let us look at this for just a moment. So Peter draws the sword. He takes the first swing. We know Jesus heals the guy. And then in verse 54, then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him. He is Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he, was outside, he went outside and he wept bitterly. So I want to stop here for a moment because here's Peter. I mean, look at the transformation. This is all within just a short amount of time. He's sitting at dinner. Jesus says, you're going to. Peter says, never. I'll go to jail. I'll die. Whatever you need, Jesus, I'm your guy. A few moments later, they're praying. They're, they're doing their thing. The guards show up. Peter's like, I got to prove it. So he pulls his sword. He does what he needs to do. Jesus says, that's not how this is going down. He gets arrested. Now, the, the disciples 
dispersed. They're no longer together. Peter's by himself. He's sitting at a fire. A junior high girl accuses him of something. The dude who was drawing swords moments ago is now freaked out that a junior high girl just accused him of being with Jesus, right? Isn't it amazing how quickly things change? So what I want to talk to you about for just a moment is this. What changed inside of Peter? Fear. Isolation led to fear. Fear led to denial. So as we talk about this topic and we think about this idea of the fact that that the day will come where we will most likely be asked, where, where there may be something that we will actually be challenged that we'll lose if we actually admit that we are followers of Jesus Christ. And I don't know what that looks like. I don't know when that looks like, but I will tell you this. It feels like, it feels like we're punching the gas right now towards that. And so when that day comes, how is it that we as a church can go, I got to make sure that I'm ready. And part of it is to look at Peter's story because Peter was just literally with Jesus. And so if Peter can deny, Peter walked on water for goodness sake. Peter saw miracles firsthand. He was with him. They were brothers. They, they, they hung out together. And, and just that quickly, he moved from, I got you to I don't know you. So if that can happen to Peter, then for any of us to go, oh, I would never. You don't know that you would never because the fire hasn't come yet. The pressure isn't on in this moment. So this is what I want us to look at for just a moment because I feel like as passionately as as he was defending him earlier, he now denies him equally as passionate. And and that goes back to that whole idea of this, this, this divisiveness that's happening right now. Because right now, I'll be honest with you, I, and again, I, I'm, not, I'm not coming down on any side when it comes to the vaccine. I believe that is a personal choice that you need to make. It's up to you to make that decision. I have friends who are vaccinated. I have friends that are not vaccinated. I, I just believe that that is something you got to figure out. But I will tell you this. Right now, the government, Hollywood, social media, they're pushing hard for everybody to be vaccinated. And if you're not, then they tell you that you're uncaring and that you're putting everybody else in danger. Why? Because it divides, right? If we just go, hey, we've got this vaccine, we believe that it helps, everybody just get the vaccine, but now it's, you're gonna lose your job. We had, we had uh, one of our guys uh, in the church here works for a company that's outside of the state of Montana, and they said, if you don't get vaccinated, then you will lose your job. And, uh, and out of that, um, I'll just say it's Bob Southers. It was, it was that the few weeks that he's been fighting through. But fortunately, we live in a state where our governor said you can't do that. And so he pushed back, and now he, is, he, he doesn't have to. And that's his decision, right? But out of that, there was this hard push that you are going to hurt other people. Why? Because as long as I can keep you divided, then, then we, can, we, can, we can come in and we can put pressure on you and fear on you. Everything is about fear right now. It's this fear of being canceled. It's the fear uh, uh, of, of being looked down on. It's, it's all of these fears that are being fed so that you will, you will comply. CNN had a quote on their website this week, and they were talking about this, this young lady who passed away, and it said she was vaccinated but was infected by others who chose not to be, and it cost her her life. 
I want to stop here for a minute because I don't want to get too deep into this, but I just want us to like, whatever side you come down on that, first of all, I think just be on the side that you want to be on and and do what you feel is right for you, and that's fine. But but no matter what side you come down on, I want to stop here for a minute because I want us to look at it through the eyes of logic for just a second. If I'm being told get the vaccine because it it will keep you from getting COVID or it will keep you safe if you get COVID, it'll, it'll lessen it or whatever, that's fine, and I know lots of people, again, family members who have it, and it's great. That's, that's wonderful for them. But logically, does it make any sense that me not getting it and you having it, then because I don't have it, you will get it and it will kill you? I'm sorry, and I, again, I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but I want us to, like, we got to start paying attention because there's lies being told to us so that we'll divide. There's lies being told to us so that there's control that's coming. And we have got to be awake because, again, even as the church, when all this stuff happened and we said, okay, we'll comply, and, and I think we did the right thing in, in, with the information that we had and where we were at in society. We were trying to be good members of society, but we also have got to get to a place where at what point do we go, you know what, you're not going to shut down the church anymore. There was a church in San Diego. It was interesting because uh, in California, they closed the churches for way longer than, any, than most states. And, and in the middle of this, so the churches have been closed for months and months and months, and then some judge makes the decision that strip clubs should be allowed to be open yes. while they close down the churches because they need adult entertainment. Like that's, a, that's apparently a, a constitutional right, I guess. I don't know. So, so there was a church in San Diego called Oasis Family Church. So they legally changed their name to Oasis Family Strip Club. <laughs> the, the, the sign changed. Everything changed so they could stay open. The authorities showed up and said, no, 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 you can't have church. And they said, they said our pastor, every, every service will take his tie off in the middle of church. <laughs> That's ridiculous. It's funny, but it's stupid. As we look at Peter's story, what we need to understand is that Peter, things were going good, and it's easy for him because he feels like, man, I got this crew, and we're doing well, and Jesus is popular. And and we know the story because the the same people that on that one day are, are shouting, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. We're so excited that you're here, Jesus. Just days later are, are shouting, crucify him. See, disruption can make you or break you, but it's your choice. Disruption will come. Disruption is coming right now. We're already seeing ripples of disruption. So it's what are we going to do with the disruption? Are we going to just comply and give in and and whatever you say and we'll just do it however you want us to do it and we just don't want to make waves? Or are we going to stand? Those of you who know me, who've been at River for any amount of time, you know one of the things that I really like is palm trees. And many of you know this because when you go on a vacation and there's some place where there's palm trees, you send me pictures. Which I don't know if that's to be nice or to rub it in. I'm not sure which it is. Probably both. That's probably true. 
we literally had a, a couple of families that went on vacation, and they said, hey, we're gonna, we want to do a, uh, a, a contest who can take the best palm tree pictures, so we're going to send you palm tree pictures throughout the week, and you get to judge. And <laughs> Very thoughtful of them. Um, but one of the things that's amazing to me about palm trees is that uh, my brother-in-law, they live, in, they live in North Carolina. They have a property in South Carolina. So we went and we planted a palm tree in their yard. And, and the root base at that moment was not very big. I mean, for the height of the little tree, it was, it was not much there. But as time goes on, obviously, those roots begin to take form. But the thing that's amazing is they're, they're often in places where there are things like hurricanes that will come. And at the end of the hurricane, you'll see property damage, you'll see buildings that have fallen down, but often you'll still see those palm trees standing. So I did a little bit of research on that, and I found that the more a palm tree is in the wind, the, the harder it is, the more things that come against it, the deeper it, it roots itself, and the stronger it becomes. So I say that to you today because there are storms that are coming. It may be what we're talking about right now in the grand scheme of things with the pushback against the church or maybe in your personal life that you may have a storm that comes. You may have some sort of a disruption that hits you, some sort of a thing that comes against you or comes against your family. And it's in that moment that you have a decision to make, will that disruption destroy me or will it actually make me stronger? See, I don't know about you, and I've never been able to say this in a sermon before, but I want to be a palm tree when the storm comes, right? I want, I want those moments to not destroy me, to knock me down, but to actually make me deep-rooted. Because then every, every, uh, every storm that would come after that, I'm stronger, and I'm stronger, and I'm stronger, and I'm ready. See, often we go, oh man, I don't want any disruption in my life. I don't want any storms to come. But can I tell you, it's inevitable that there will be a storm that will come. The book tells us, and it's truth. So it, we know that it is coming. So if we try and avoid every little storm that might get in our way, then we are not going to be ready for when the big storm comes. To survive requires spiritual preparation. When you build your home on the foundation of God's word, you can find safety despite the downpour outside. And then you can help others in your life weather the storm as well. Just like Jesus sat down with his guys at the Last Supper and explained the things were going to change, he is speaking to us today through his word and saying, things have to change so that my word can be fulfilled. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 19 says this, to those who say, let God hurry, let him hasten his work so that we may see it. The plan of the Holy One of Israel, let it approach. Let it come into view so that we may know it. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. I was reading that this week and the rest of the chapter as well, and, and I just couldn't help but think, man, if there's ever been a time that we live in a, in a, in a time where, where good is bad and bad is good, and everything is upside down from what it should be, but it's not a surprise. We were told that's what it was going to look like. Second Timothy chapter, chapter 3 says, you should know this. Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times, for people will love only themselves and their money. 
They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. I was thinking about that verse this week, and I guess what came to my mind is I had been listening to a podcast, and in the middle of this podcast, uh, this, this guy who's a Christian, he's a singer, and, and he was talking about that we've come to a place where all of these things that, that should just be political, they should be like in the column of this is politics. If I believe this, this is who I vote for. But now we've gotten to a place where it's actually become religious to people. Even this vaccine thing and the COVID stuff has become so, so uh, hardcore in what we believe that it almost becomes religious. People talk about climate change and it's, it's like a religion now. And don't get me wrong because I think we should be good stewards of what God has given us. But when we get to a place where, where everything is about that and we're using it in such a way and it's not even like, hey, let's all do good together. It's if you're not doing this, you're a bad person. And if you're not doing it this way, then you are destructive. And now it's come to this place. Again, it's another division point. Why are those in power so much trying to divide us? Because that's where they receive their power is through division. So even as I read that verse again, I thought, is that what he was talking about? They will act religious. In other words, they'll be passionate about something that they believe in, but they deny where the power comes from. Begin now to prepare your house for the storms that are sure to come. Spend time in the Bible. Strengthen your relationship with God and with the godly community. For those of you who since COVID have made the decision that you're going to just stay home and keep watching it online because it's a little bit more convenient or because we like to watch. I had somebody tell me not too long ago, I said, hey, we miss you at church. And they said, you know, we just got in the habit. We love getting up on Sunday morning. We keep our pajamas on. We make breakfast and we just sit and watch it on TV. And I'm like, that's not the same. It's not the same. Don't break off community. Whether it's out of fear, whether it's out of convenience. Because you know what? I'm just going to tell you right now. It's easy to go, hey, I would stand. But for many of you, you won't even give up a, con a convenience for him. Ooh. Okay. If you won't even give up convenience for him, how do you think that when that day comes, if that day comes, that you'll stand? God's calling his church to be ready. Now, we don't know when. It may not be in my lifetime that he comes back. It could be that he tarries even further. But how many of you know for us to be ready is never a bad idea? We're never going to look back and go, man, I regret that I spent all that time in God's word and that I made relationships with people in the church and that I got prepared in case Jesus came back. There's no, there will be no regrets for that. So let's be ready.
I'm going to ask you to close your eyes with me for the next few moments because I want to take just a bit, a, bit, a bit of time today as we close this time together, and I'm going to ask you to just be honest about where you are. Last week we talked about uh, we don't want to be fans, we need to be followers. And this week I just really feel like for many of us what we need to examine inside of ourselves is, will I stand? Because again, all of us, the, the, the go-to answer in that is yes. But then we look at Peter. Peter, who had strong relationship with Jesus, he was literally just with him, and he denied. God loves you. He wants you. He wants you with him. He can be your strength. He can be your all in all, but he doesn't force himself on you. He's not going to make you do that. So we have to want him. We have to want that inside of ourselves. So this morning, as we close this time together, I'm going to ask you to just take a few moments as we worship together. And whether that means you sing along or whether that means you just stay seated and you pray or you come to the altar. Last night, we had many people that just came to the altar and they spent some time with God. Maybe you need some prayer. We'll have some prayer teams up here that would be more than happy to pray about anything. But I don't want us to leave this place without just taking a few moments and saying, God, will you reveal to me maybe the areas inside of me that I need to work on so that I am strong, so that I can be who you need me to be? Because he's a good God, and he wants that for you. And I believe that over these next few weeks, I'm going to give you some tools, some things that we need to be paying attention to inside of our, our faith journey so that we are ready to stand. But today, maybe just pray and say, God, show me, where am I lacking? What are the things that I can do to prepare myself? God, right now, I thank you for every person within the sound of my voice, whether they're in this room or they're watching online. I just pray, God, that you would help us to understand the urgency of the hour. We need to be ready. God, whether it's because you're coming back soon or whether it's just because society is going to continually degrade and go the wrong way, your church has to be ready to push back if needed. So God, prepare our hearts, prepare our minds, make us who you need us to be. In these next few moments, God, I just pray revelation for people in this room that, God, we would hear you, that we would know what it is that we need to work on so that we will stand. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We, we stand, you can pray, you can do whatever you need to do, but just spend some time with him. Hey, thanks for listening. River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana. We exist for one purpose, to make Jesus famous by showing his love to the lost, broken, and hurting. For more information, you can check us out online at rolmt.com. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we'd love to talk to you about what comes next. Shoot us an email at nextstep at rolmt.com. Thanks.